You're listening to the Simple Growth Podcast, the show that helps business owners get their life back. Here's your host, Mike Callahan. Hey, welcome back to the SA Weekly Talk Show. This is one episode that I myself have been waiting for for months. Um, my pleasure to introduce Dan Ralph, the Dream Manager. Dan and I go back, I would say, Dan, what, probably two, three years now where we met um, at some leadership training and uh, out in, in sunny Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, Ted, or, and basically, I was just blown away by Dan's understanding of how to handle people's dreams and his position just wowed me. Uh, previous employment was out at Infusionsoft as a dream manager. He now owns a company called The Dream School. He teaches companies just like yours how to harness the power of dreams. Previously on TEDx PSU Talks, featured in Entrepreneur Magazine, and had a, a vast history in education. Um, so there's not much this man hasn't done. Um, and if you ever want to talk about the uh, the word of, um, I think it was integrity, at a, uh, a conference we are at, Dan sat with one of my buddies and literally discussed the word uh, integrity and its meaning in, I don't know how many different ways, in a matter of two hours. So, very <laughs> man, uh, if you've never heard of Dan Ralph, Dan, I'm going to hand it over to you just to kind of uh, give some background on what a dream manager is, who you are, and how you got into the whole dream management uh, business. Yeah, fantastic. As you kind of mentioned, I, uh, for a long time, I was I was a school teacher. I shouldn't say just a school teacher. I suppose school teachers are sort of important, but I was a school teacher. Uh, I had a buddy of mine who came to me. Actually, I, I own my own private high school. I had a buddy of mine who came to me as my business was kind of starting to diminish. And I um, he had me a book called The Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly. Now, if you haven't read this book, it's highly, highly recommended. Um, and the book describes a cleaning company. And this cleaning company is having some major issues. Issue number one is they have a high level of turnover and they're spending most of the leadership time is spent on trying just to fill vacant seats so that this business can function, right? And so they hire um, kind of an HR leadership guy. He comes in and he creates a program called the Dream Manager Program. And it starts simply by asking the question, what do our employees need? And first he finds out, man, my employees don't have a ride to work. And so I need to find a way to get my employees a ride to work. Well, the next thing you know, he starts asking more deep and more profound questions about the employees' needs and starts demonstrating deeper levels of care for his employees. Um, and to the point where he starts asking about their dreams. He helps one person uh, buy a first house, et cetera, et cetera. And the next thing you know, like these employees become wildly committed to this little cleaning company where cleaning toilets is their day to day. And yet they feel passionate about the company and they start recruiting people to come work for this company. They stay longer and they're, they have obviously a better culture all around as a result of the program. Well, moral of the story, I get the book uh, and about fast forward two years, I get hired to be the full-time dream manager for a small software company called Infusionsoft. And for the next five years, I spend my time helping people to identify, articulate, and accomplish their personal dreams. Dreams like uh, riding elephants in Thailand. There was a fun story. There was a woman, right? She's uh, eight months pregnant riding elephants in Thailand. Doctor probably did not recommend that. But probably not well recommended. Yeah, we help them do awesome things, whether it was traveling, buying their first home, getting U.S. citizenship. Across the board, we were modeling and, and deeply invested and interested in our employees and what's the outcome of that? Well, they become much more committed uh, and they stick around for longer and, and, and they actually grow as individuals and we end up with a better, happier employee. 
Wow. And, and I couldn't relate to that any more than you mentioned that, because especially owning a lawn care business myself, um, especially in the beginning, we, we were just confused why these people couldn't show up to work and get an eight hour day in. But I think a lot of times we as business owners were really unaware of what's going on um, in the background. I mean, maybe it has nothing to do with their life. Maybe it, that they've had these ambitions to do something in their life. There's problems at home. Um, and I think that's what I think the, the, the magnetic force you have drew me to, towards you when you were talking is it really made sense that if these, if these guys and girls are having a hard time putting food on the table and meeting where they really want to be and where they're at, there's that such a disconnect. Um, there was a major, major aha moment for me as a business owner. How do we, as business owners, align with these people and actually get them into, um, you know, this situation where they can be successful? Um, so if if I'm a business owner watching this, Dan, uh, how would I implement dream management and implement this into my business? It seems like, you know, kind of hokey from the outside, but I've seen it work and it's yeah. really successful. Um, so what would be the, the first couple steps to take to implement a, prog uh, a program like this? And obviously that book, um, you know, by Matthew Kelly, maybe a good starting point. What would be your suggestion if somebody wants to dive into dream management? Yeah. So let me let me lay a little foundation, first of all, as to why this is actually one of the most pragmatic things a business can do, not hokey, even in the slightest. And here's the idea. Um, if you and I, Mike, were sitting on the playground, remember the days when we used to sit on the playground and it was lunchtime and everyone would crack over their, open their lunches. And let's, let's imagine that Billy down the road, he has down the row, he has two Twinkies instead of one. And Mike, you know what that means? There is a Twinkie up for grabs and this is, it's go time, right? We need to figure out a way to influence um, Billy to give me the Twinkie. And there are essentially three different ways that I can influence Billy. There are three paths that I go down. Path number one is I can just be the bully. If I'm a little bigger than Billy and I can say, Billy, listen, I'm going to pound your face if you don't give me the Twinkie. And that can be effective, right? It's quick. It's easy. And if I have the leverage, if I'm in the position of power, I can do that. You know, and you might think of other ways like I can sneak him. I can extort him. I can say, hey, Billy, I'm going to tell your friend Sally that you like her if you don't give me the Twinkie, right? But all are fear-based. We find ways to motivate by fear. Now, that may work in a short term, but how does Billy engage with me from that point forward? Not in a great way, right? Billy's going to avoid me. He's going to not want to show up to work. Billy's not going to be very interested in like helping support what I'm interested in, right? It just doesn't work long term. In the short term, it's effective, but long term, we begin to undercut ourselves. So maybe we try something else. The second way, Mike, you might have already thought of this because I, I know that you've got some skill here. Uh, is the is the technique of hustle, right? So I'm gathering like Twinkie. I'm grabbing my turkey sandwich. I got a fruit snacks and I'm throwing in like a fruit snacks, a pudding and a turkey sandwich. If you can trade me uh, for the Twinkie. Well, that may be effective. And in businesses, we do a lot of this where we we find benefit, things that benefit the employee and we do a trade. We do a swap, right? We say, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a bonus if you fill your work a little faster, I'm going to incentivize your work. Now, both of those motivations are all both extrinsic. I'm influencing, I'm impacting you, and they can, over a short run, make some impact. Now, Daniel Pink talks about this. He says, listen, those two types are effective if you're trying to improve technical work. In other words, if I'm putting one widget into one hole and I'm doing it over and over and over again, then it then, then for me to be motivated by some kind of extrinsic reward improves performance. However, if 
there's any like cognitive skill, if there's any imagination or creativity, fear, the carrot stick kind of motivations actually diminish. They decrease effectiveness. So you might be rewarding people for some kind of cognitive process. They're actually getting worse as a result. And so the third type of influence, the third way I get Billy to give me the Twinkie, right, is Billy looks at his Twinkies and he looks around and he looks at me and he goes, hey, Dan is my friend. We, we hang out together. In fact, we play like he, I know he's interested in helping me uh, get, make, make the football team next, next year. And so I'm going to voluntarily take the Twinkie and say, hey, Dan, do you want the Twinkie? Now, the hard part about this as leaders is that we don't have, that's an intrinsic motivation. But at the end of the day, intrinsic motivation will trump extrinsic motivation every time. Committed effort will always outperform reluctant effort 100% of the time. And this is what they found in, in Matthew Kelly's book, is that when those employees became committed, meaning I want to work for this guy, I want to see this company be successful, all of a sudden now everything opened up. So the first thing that a leader can do to answer your question in kind of a roundabout way is we can begin to identify and recognize what kind of environment, what kind of culture am I creating for my employees? Is it a culture where most people, when they show up to work, they expect that the only way I'm really, the only reason I'm really here is because I'm afraid of losing my job? Is the only reason I'm really here is because I think I might get a little reward out of this if I, I might get a promotion if I show up and do a good job? We recognize that those kind of motivators eventually will fade and, and you'll have to constantly be putting in new motivations in front of your employees to get the results, right? If I bully Billy one day, it doesn't mean I'm more likely to have Billy give me a, a Twinkie the next. I have to constantly be on my employees if I'm using one of those two first two motivators. However, if I get in the category, this third category, if I can create a friendship, if I can create a relationship with Billy, now there's a chance he might just show up with an extra Twinkie every day. And, and that might be our new relationship. And so it's a completely different way of looking at leadership is to say, how do I create an environment where my employees are going to be self-motivated to make, to help my, my business progress and, and be better. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and that's, that's just amazing, Dan. And I'm telling you, so it, it, it almost seems like dreaming helps them be more confident, more creative, more greedy. They're going to dive in and if you're a service business owner listening to this, uh, that analogy just kind of put it really in perspective. And, and, and I think that's the difference of having a B or C player and an A player that you don't yeah. have to babysit. And they're going to go out and make those right decisions and, and be more confident and do the right yeah. business without you managing. Let me share one little story um, that you just kind of pinged for me. We had, a, we had a frontline employee. He came in with his team and we said, hey, what are your dreams? We're interested in knowing what your dreams are. And my job as a dream manager was to meet with that guy. And I, we sat down together and I said, so what's the dream? What's the thing that for you would make all of your, all of your happiness come about? And he kind of said, my dream is to own an Xbox. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Now I should mention he was a married man. So that makes it a little bit more difficult. But, but he was like, my dream is to own an Xbox. And I said, you know, there's probably a little bit of judgment. Like this is the pinnacle of your happiness. But we sat down together in a very short amount of time, three, four weeks, he had his Xbox. And then he came back to me again and I said, listen, I, I wanna help you accomplish something really big. What's something that would be really hard, really difficult? And he said, well, you know, my wife and I have been thinking about having kids. And 
I can't afford it. I said, how much do you need? He said, probably double. I said, you need to double your income? He said, yeah. I said, that's how much you want. How much do you need? If when we're dreaming, we're imagining out, without constraint. He said, triple. <laughs> and I said, so you want to triple your income by when? This year. Wow. So, so he wanted to triple his income. Now, that's a crazy dream. And I said, listen, I don't know if we can do it, but let's try. And we set, so we set to work. And to your point, what started to happen to this employee who before was kind of checking the box, he showed up with this ridiculous passion. In fact, his performance was so outstanding for the company, he not only received one promotion within the year, he received two promotions within the year. He was providing that much more value for the company. Not only that, but he had a little side hustle that got going, right? And that side hustle got spinning and he started making more money. And within, uh, we sat down a year later and he turned to me and I said, so so did we do it? <laughs> like, I'm curious. And he he confessed that he didn't quite make make it to triple, that he was $100 short a month of tripling his income. Wow. Now, that's, just, that's powerful. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not just a matter of, of like, in, an entitlement where we're giving our employees things. It's it's in believing enough in our employees that they believe in themselves <laughs> enough to become better human beings, to accomplish and actualize things that otherwise they might be a little nervous or afraid to attempt. And when we provide that environment, we're creating an environment of love and commitment that, that really has tremendous power within your organization. Diving into that, that commitment in, in almost public recognition, um, I, one of the things that struck me when, when I was at uh, one of the places you were managing dreams is they had this wall. It was called the dream wall where anybody could walk up and it was, it was openly encouraged. And it, it almost felt to the extent if you wanted to become a direct competitor of this company and you wrote it up there, it seemed to be your job to meet with this individual on a regular basis and say, we know this employee probably is not going to stay here for life, but if we can align them and have that that you know, intrinsic and extrinsic shift, um, they're just going to be more beneficial to the company as an individual out here. Um, yeah. So you yeah, yeah, we certainly would. We, that was like the one dream that was off limits was, hey, I want to create a software company that helps small businesses, right? Um, because we would have said, if that's what you want, if you want to build this really great thing, then build it here because we already have a, one of those. Right. So if that's your dream, then come join us. Um, but for the most part, yeah, we we were in, we recognized that lifelong employment is really a thing of the 1940s, and and that it in our modern age people are going to bounce around from one job to another. And what we're interested in is we want people that are fully engaged, fully committed. And we'd rather have somebody fully engaged and committed for two years than than disengaged for five, right? Wouldn't you <laughs> rather have somebody that's fully engaged? And Absolutely. so we we're open to having these things posted publicly on the wall. If my dream is to start a small business, we would say, yeah, great. Let's figure out a way to help you. And what we found is not only are those things now on the table, because these things exist in your employees' hearts and minds, you just don't know about them. And so we we feel like we're at the advantage when we know about our employees' hearts and minds, because we can now prepare and make, you know, if somebody's planning on leaving in six months and going back to school, we have six to 12 months advantage because we know that's coming and we can start adjusting, hiring, preparing, exiting that person uh, on their way out the door. And so we get the fact that it's going to take time and our goal is to help our employees make progress, whatever it might look like. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you'll never miss a podcast. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, 
we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. It's just it's such a refreshing approach to, you know, beating, you know, hanging the carrot and dangling or beating the employee with the stick. And it just it seems like having these open and honest communications opens up so much opportunity for exponential growth for the employee as well as the company to work together. So, I mean, that's that's just really um, interesting. And then, you know, if we're going to dive into it a little bit deeper, um, dreaming and basically once you do this and you kind of set that foundation What's the next step to, to drive um, this organization and towards the vision of the business uh, through dreaming? How does that align? Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but I kind of wanted to see how, what's the secondary step that's going to align with the company's vision and try to get a full buy-in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there, there's certainly um, um, once, because what we're doing essentially is we're saying, listen, we as the company are going to take just a sliver of our time and we're going to be interested in you and your agenda. And in exchange, the expectation is that you're going to start to be interested in the company and its agenda. And, and that's how relationships sort of work, right? That if I came up to you, Mike, and I said, hey, Mike, let's have a, let's have a friendship here, Mike. Um, but it's going to be all about me, not, nothing about you. And um, I'm, you're going to be at my beck and call. And you're going to do whatever I want you to. And if you ever, like, make me feel frustrated or annoyed, I'm just going to fire you as a friend let's be friends. Like that's not how relationships work. No, yeah. So often that's kind of how we approach things as, uh, as employers. And so what we do is we begin to create authentic relationship, which is, Hey, I'm a little bit interested in your agenda. Will you be interested in mine? And if the answer is yes, I'll be interested in your agenda. Then we need to make sure there's a clear agenda for our, our employees to be interested in. So we need to have a clear purpose. Here's why we're doing what we're doing. We need to have a clear mission. Here's the big thing we're trying to accomplish as an organization. We need to have some values that say, hey, this is how we play together. And so we want to create, as leaders, our job is to create a vision that once that employee is interested in being interested in what we're interested in, we have a clear way of articulating it to them so they can buy in and be fully motivated to help support the work we're doing together as a company. Does that make sense? So your job is to be interested in their vision, help them develop one. But you as a leader got to have a vision for the company so that people can be interested in maybe sticking around a little longer as because they buy into what you're up to. Absolutely. As you mentioned leadership, Dan, I, I, one of the, the uh, things the last time you talked, which stuck with me um, even a few months ago, um, diving into being the leader of a company that, that's enabling dreaming and this, this amazing connection with their staff. Um, there was a story you told, and I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it was, uh, I believe when you were teaching, you brought in to talk to some kids and their parents were in the back of the room. You had some yep. kids in front of the room um, and it was, it was, it turned a light bulb on to me as a leader, how I should be approaching leadership. Uh, and if, if different people below me in my organization are trying to become leaders and still have the same vision as the company down that hierarchical um method. Uh, would you mind sharing that story and kind of how that ties into being an effective leader and then how that kind of ties into dreaming in the organization as a whole? Yeah, I, I wish I knew which story you're talking about. I think I do. Uh, um, is it the story with the school? Yeah, with the kids. And, and basically, there was some silence in the background and somebody had to actually step up and... Uh, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Yes. So I used to do... Uh, so I used to teach youth leadership seminars, essentially. And for the most part, youth are, are dramatically used to being bossed around. Like think about yourself when you were like 13, 14, and you showed it up at a leadership conference. You know the adults are in charge, and you're just along for the ride, whatever the adults decide. Well, that's not leadership. <laughs> like for you to show up to something and be 
along for the ride is that's called following, not leading. So I would go into these rooms and on the white, there's usually a whiteboard up in front. I'd write, start being a leader now. And I'd have that in front of the room, maybe 15 minutes before the meeting started. And then I would, I would sit back and I would watch and we would just not start. The adults would not take the lead. And all the students would just kind of ch- chat and be teenagers. And after a while, like 10 or 15 minutes, they kind of go, oh, isn't this supposed to start already? Like what's going on? Why aren't the adults in charge? And we would wait longer. And then 30 minutes in, they'd kind of look around like, are the adults seriously not going to take charge of this? And then they would look up at the board. They go, oh, start being a leader now. Oh, that's cute. The adults want us to do this a leader thing to start the meeting. And they would try a little something. But again, we were waiting for them to actually lead. And we would wait some, I, in one meeting, I waited as long as two hours until the leader, until the youth actually started leading, because I understood something really value, really fundamental. This is essential for all leaders. No one, we used to say all education is self-education. I can't teach those teenagers unless they choose, unless they invite me in, unless they say, Dan, please teach me. And in the same way, our, our ability to meaningfully influence others requires their permission first. And so if we're going to meaningfully influence somebody, they have to say, like Billy would have said to me, hey, I want you to be my friend. I want to have you help me. Here's a Twinkie. And and sure enough, eventually they would stand up, they would start leading. I remember uh, bringing it back to the concept of dreaming. I remember sitting down with a a woman I was managing at Infusionsoft, and she was struggling. And I said, so what's the dream? She started dreaming. And I said, hey, listen, um, she said, my dream is to work internationally. I said, well, where would you want to work? Well, I think for Infusionsoft, I like the company. And I said, could you imagine a day where we would have international employees? She said, yes. I said, okay, what would it take? I want you to write the job description of that first international employee. And I wanted you to compare yourself to your own description of what it would look like. She came back the next week. I said, so how was it? She said, I'm not anywhere close to where I need to be to be worthy of that role. And I said, awesome, what can I do to help? And she pointed out the three things I was concerned about as a leader, you know, my attitude's not quite what it needs to be. And she went down the list and I said, well, what are we gonna do about it? Would you mind if I helped you prepare? She said, oh, would you? That would be fantastic, I need help, right? Well, all of a sudden, because she's given me permission, I as a leader now can coach and influence and I could be pretty tough on her. Because she's now, I'm now an ally with her and her agenda as she begins to progress in her career. And so we as leaders, again, we sometimes don't, we try to lead without permission and it's just impossible. And I think that, and that's exactly where I was hoping you were going with this because it seems like in most service businesses, it's an antagonistic relationship. Um, But when when you become on the same team, you're aligned um, and going out to get that permission, um, especially like when I'm on the hopping back on a crew or my manager or operations coach now that we come because it's more teaching moments um, than management moments. Um, but it, it seems like the magic happens when that permission happens. Would you have any insight um, as that operations coach or that manager? How what the what is the best way to align and get that permission and, yep. and execute that that process to, to get them onboarded and bought into a system or a culture or vision quicker. Um, and obviously you can't force it. Each time is going to be a little bit different. Is there a, is there a certain approach that you would take to doing that? Yep. 
Um, there's a really great work, another book recommendation um, by a woman by the name of Liz Wiseman. It's called Multipliers. Uh, first, we start. Hold on, Dan is back. Yeah, no, here we are. I don't know all right. what happened. Um, so first of all, there's kind of a fundamental belief um, that is at the core of what you're up to. And that is that people are smart and can figure things out. So if you ever think your people don't get it, usually they do. And they're just pretending not to get it because it's a lot easier for them, right? So we first have to come from that mindset of they can get it and they can figure all of this out on their own. They can figure out what they need to do, how they need to act differently. I mean, they have the whole gamut, right? Um, they understand it. And so what we do is instead of coming in with authoritarian language, we come in with questions. So if you can lead through questions um, and, you know, if, if right now you ask 10% of your conversations questions, bump it up to like 50% of your time is questions. Liz Wiseman gives a great example where she's struggling to get her kids to go to bed at night. She just can't figure it out. They're, they seem like absolute process. Well, she gets challenged to try to lead that only through questions. So she shows up that night. Hey, what time is it? Her kids, bedtime. And what do we do during bedtime? Well, we have to brush our teeth and et cetera, et cetera. Well, what do you think we should do first? We should go brush our teeth. And they all ran off perfectly, like as if they knew the whole time what to do because they did. Now they acted like they didn't, uh, but our people usually will know what to do. And if we can begin to ask and lead through questions, we're honoring that individual, just like you would with a friend, we're honoring that individual as somebody that's smart, capable, and talented. And you'll come to find that generally people know what to do. And um, now that's not, um, we can't, we could micromanage through questions like, what do you think we should do next? What do you think? And what do you do? And then what do you, right? Like, like that's not treating people with dignity. But as we begin to ask quite more questions, we're going to be in a much stronger position um, to help them uh, buy in and create ownership within uh, their role, whatever it might be. Awesome. awesome. No, I, I'm so insightful, Dan. It's just, um, we're starting to get some background for some reason, but um, I'm not sure what I've been running the controls and the interview here, but um, uh, just so insightful. And I, I guess uh, we always like to see if there's any resources that um, the talkers have as far as books. You mentioned uh, Multipliers by Liz Wiseman, obviously the book, The Dream Manager. Is there any other um, books or, or, or things as far as education? A lot of people here watching this are really into out learning their competition and growing as an individual. Um, something we don't see in a lot of service business industries, but it's just a really good group of people here um, that are helping each other out. So would you mind sharing any resources off the top of your head that far as? Yeah, um, some great, some top um, leadership books for me. One is um, Leadership and Self-Deception, which is a book by the Arbinger Institute. It's a fantastic, again, way of kind of approaching or looking at your employee base as humans and not just as, as um, cogs in the wheel. Um, other great leadership books like five dysfunctions of a team is fantastic. Um, and so there are a lot of great leadership books, but if I'm starting, I'm starting with multipliers. I'm starting with, uh, with the dream manager as two that I think put your brain in the right mindset. Um, I also like uncontainable, which is a, a story about the container store and the way they created culture, uh, within their organization. And their whole goal was to say, Hey, I want one employee to equal three. In other words, I want my one employee to perform at the level of three employees in another organization. And I can get that because of the way I treat my employees. 
really fantastic. And then one thing I would offer to everyone, and if you're just, if you're new to culture or if you're unsure about where you stand in the cultural space, I created a really awesome health, a culture health assessment. So how it's called the culture health index. How can I evaluate where I stand from a cultural standpoint? Because you need to be aware of this because if you're, if you have a low, if your culture is low, you are pushing the rock uphill. And if your culture is high, it feels like pushing the rock downhill and it really makes a dramatic difference. I know Mike, you've figured that out along the way that having a great culture makes all the difference. So the culture health assessment, you can, you can find it on my website. It's the dreamblog.com forward slash culture. I think you're going to post it up there. Now I'm running multiple monitors here. So if I look a little distracted, I'm uh, running the technology and the comments. So yeah, that should be in the comments now. Yep. The dreamblog.com slash culture. So definitely check that out. Awesome free resource. Yeah. That'd be my challenge to you. If you, if you went through this process and you listened to this, and you did one thing, that would be the one thing I would do is go evaluate yourself and your organization. Because unfortunately, as entrepreneurs, as owners, we're sometimes the last to know whether or not people are happy. And these questions will help you evaluate whether or not your people are happy, even if they're pretending to be. Because so many times we have bad culture and the the CEO is like, I I think it's great. And this will help you kind of evaluate whether or not um, things are as good as they seem. Awesome. I really appreciate it. I know my wife is hanging around the corner over here. She's a big fan of Dan Ralph. So, honey, if you're on Facebook Live, you need to come over and say hi to Dan now. Oh, somebody's camera shy now. So, oh, hi. Hi, Dan. How are you? Hi, how are you? Fantastic. So, by the way, I started in schools. I know that you're you're in the school world. And uh, I love the idea of how do we – I love the question, how do we help our students to dream bigger? And how do we teach them the skill set of dreaming? And, and so I'm excited to see maybe we can collaborate on something later on, on that on that front. I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm about to go put all those books you just talked about in my Amazon. <laughs> <Fantastic>. <laughs> Love Very it. Very cool. Nice to meet you. All right, Dan. Well, I know you obviously got a compressed schedule. My wife was coming into my downstairs office basement. She's like, she heard the name and she's like, Dan is on the thing. So she had to say hello. <laughs> Before we close up here, is there anything else you'd recommend you want to hit? Um, I know you've got a real tight schedule, but I just really appreciate your time. Um, just a wealth of knowledge. And whenever I'm at a conference and I see you speaking, I mean, it, literally I've seen it back-to-back talks sometimes at the same talk because there's just so much to take take in. So either way, it, if, if you want to close this up, and I definitely would love to get you back on in another month or two to uh, kind of follow up if people take that that uh, culture assessment on the Dream Blog, uh, maybe we can have some kind of live Q&A and kind of rap about that as well. It'd be fantastic. You know, like, I think it's important just to, to know why people are up to what they're up to. So my, my purpose is to help people to accomplish more productive lives. And I, you know, at the dream school, we, we feel like if we can help leaders create environments and organizations where people can prosper and be successful and happy, um, that not only will the business prosper and be happier, but it will feel great while they do it. It's, in other words, you can do great, make a lot of money, do well, but also do the right thing for your organization. And that's my goal. That's what I'm up to. That's why I wake up in the morning. And so I hope you feel that because I'm interested in helping and supporting your organizations wherever they might be uh, to make that progress. After you take the culture health assessment, you'll see a little link that says, hey, let's chat. Let's talk about how we uh, can create a plan for your culture and how we help move that forward. So again, if there's anything I can do to help, uh, let me know, 
And uh, because my goal is to help as many people accomplish as many dreams as possible, yours included. Uh, so let's make sure your dreams come true. Awesome. I can't thank you enough. Uh, so if anybody has any questions as you're watching this recorded, drop below. Dan and I will be keeping an eye on so we can answer some of these questions. Uh, check them out at the Dream School, changing organizations. And it does feel good doing the right thing day in and day out and helping your employees in their personal lives as they help your business. So it's not only about making money, but it's about changing people's lives for the better. So Dan, can't thank you enough. Check him out, The Dream School. Um, Want to say what's up to Tim and Paul and Dave Vonya. Uh, up next, SA Weekly Talk Show next week, just trying to get back to the community. We've got a couple of the SA certified advisors coming on. Uh, I think the next talk show is going to be around accounting principles and how to grow and scale your business to make sure you have a financially sound foundation. Um, Dan, absolutely. Until next time, I thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Check him out, The Dream School. And uh, Mike Callahan from New York, Dan from sunny Phoenix, Arizona. We will see you next week. All right. Take care, everybody. If you like this show, you might want to check out our resources at www.startsimplegrowth.com. While you're there, enter to win an estimator chatbot. Mike Callahan is available for private coaching.